Simon and Wayne's Spitting Review, with your hosts, Simon Jones and Wayne Bolt. Hello, hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of Spiffing Review, with me, Simon Jones, and me, a little bit hungover, Wayne Bolt. Yes. We are back after uh, not too bad a hiatus by our standards. Yeah, not bad at all. No, and uh, this week we shall be taking a look at Iron Sky. Yes, uh, that wasn't out at the cinema in many places. I in over here. We'll talk about this more in a sec, but um, we had to watch it on Blu-ray. Yes, I think if you were anywhere except in England, you probably had a better chance of seeing it in the cinema. Yeah. Uh, so it's sort of a cinema film, sort of a Blu-ray, but yes, we'll talk more about that in a moment. Yeah, uh, um, we've got the trailer park with some, uh, I would like to say, exciting trailers. Yeah, I'm not that excited. No, neither am I. Um, uh, but before that, we just thought we'd let you know about a new venture uh, we should be doing, which yeah. is Spiffing of You, the Babylon 5 podcast. Probably. S- something <laughs> like that, yes. Uh, essentially, this is uh, an excuse for us to go back and watch one of our favourite TV series from the 1990s, which is Babylon 5. And we will be going through it episode by episode and reviewing it as we go, with occasional bonus commentary episodes that you can listen to while you watch. Yeah. Because we've had so many requests for that kind of thing. Yes, we have. Yes, indeed. And because uh, we we just can't do enough of these standard spiffing reviews, I mean, we're just churning them out, but it's not enough. It's not enough. Um, not enough to, uh, no. to satiate our audience's desire. Exactly. And because we do so well at keeping to the schedule normally, we thought, let's throw in a second podcast. So yeah. that will be starting very soon. Yeah. And uh, we will, of course, let you know uh, through the It's Trap website. And yeah, if you're a Babylon 5 fan, uh, then it's going to be for you, because this is very much a spoiler-filled podcast yes. where we'll be reminiscing and taking a retro- retrospective look. Um, if you haven't seen the show yet, then you should watch it first. Yes. And if you have seen the show but don't like it, then I'm not entirely sure I want you to be listening to this one. No, no, just unsubscribe yep. if you could. Have you done that? <laughs> done that? Okay. okay. <laughs> so, into the trailer part then. Uh, so this is where we go to the IMDB website and look at five of the most recent trailers that have come out. Um, so, we start off with Pitch Perfect. Yes, and this is a good example of why picking the most recent trailers is a risky proposal, because it means we have absolutely no control over what's going up. Yes, so Pitch Perfect is one of these American college campus comic romps, um, but this time it's about the uh, trials and tribulations of forming an acapella singing group to take to a competition. Yeah, I've always wanted to see that story. I have as well. Yes. Um, this is essentially Glee, the TV show, yeah. made into a film. Yeah, well, I thought it was more like Bring It On. Um, but with a cappella singing as opposed to cheerleaders. And there's no Eliza Dushku. No, no. If you take Bring It On, take out the cheerleaders and Eliza Dushku, mm. there's no film. No. And this is what we have here. <laughs> Essentially, yes. yes. Uh, it looks like it's trying to sort of go for an American Pie raunchy comedy aspect as well, but certainly from the trailer, it looked like it was kind of trying to do that in a way that didn't actually properly well, offend yeah. anybody. Um, and you you have to sort of go for it if you're going for that kind of style. Yeah, I think mean, so. I mean, you, yeah, you, the American Pie sort of stuff tends to work when it does go, it does gross out and it really, yeah. really goes for it. And, and similarly, I think if with with the acapella storyline, you can imagine if Will Ferrell did something like this, that would be quite a funny film. Yeah, it could work out quite well. Like a, a, a properly satirical look at this could be really amusing. Yeah. Um, whereas they're going for what appears to be a kind of heartwarming, soul lifting story, which it's just so tiresome. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's nothing new in it. I've seen it all before. Um, and I think it's probably done better. So, um, your dirty rating for this one, Simon? Uh, sad face. Yeah. 
Well, this is going to be a bit of a common one for me, but I went for ambivalent face. But I think this is mostly because I'm a bit hungover. So. <laughs> you can't muster enough emotion I can't, to I not can't. like it. Yeah, and this certainly didn't uh, get my goat. Indeed. Also, too many fat jokes in it. Every joke in it was about a fat girl. And it got a bit tiresome after yeah. a while. So moving swiftly on, we have Resident Evil colon. Retribution. 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 Ah, yes. Uh, this is the 600th Resident Evil movie, I believe. Yeah, have you seen all the previous 599? Uh, uh, no. no. I've not seen any of them, in fact, because they all looked absolutely terrible. Hmm. Uh, and people that like the games seem to think that the films are terrible as well. No, right. Um, but I have to say, I quite liked it as a trailer. I thought it was quite clever. In, yeah. In that it starts off not revealing that it is Resident Evil. Yeah, oh, it starts out with a, in a nice suburban house with a family sort yeah. of setting. And then and they've even got in the, the sitcom voiceover guy, the, uh-huh. the romantic comedy voiceover man, um, who I always hate because he's so patronising. They've got him in to, to do the, the titles on this and... Uh, yeah, it's very authentic, and, and then zombies arrive. So yeah. all of that I thought was great. Yeah, the zombie um, arrival was really rather cool, and then the smashing its head in with a baseball bat was also very good. Oh, it's always very, very helpful to watch these films uh, to get zombie apocalypse survival hints and tips. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think um, if this wasn't another Resident Evil film, I'd probably watch the trailer and gone, yeah, that mm-hmm. looks kind of interesting, um, because I thought the trailer did quite a good job. Yeah. But because it's the latest in a series of films that I've had no interest in, that kind of yeah. uh, sours it a bit for me. I almost wish, you know, keep the same cast and <laughs> by all means, but if it but just... But just read the Resident Evil thing and go along the mm. um, memories being implanted by a huge global corporation which are using zombies to take over the world kind of plot line. Yeah. It, like, it just looked kind of quirky and, yeah. and fun and like it was really going for it. Yeah. Essentially. Well, well I, I see that Marla Jovovich is, is back in. Yeah, that's, 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 that's how you say her name. Yeah. And... Um, some of the people as well. Uh, it's, of course, a uh, Paul W.S. Anderson uh, directed yeah. piece. Yeah, he's who, done most of these, isn't he? Yes, he's not always great. Yeah. Um, and it's got a grumpy face from Avatar and Lost in it as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Michelle Rodriguez. Yep, grumpy mm. face. Mm. Uh, yeah, they, it looked quite inventive. I mean, it, it kind of, in some ways, it, it's reminiscent of uh, Cabin in the Woods in some of its setup, mm. it would appear. But I get the feeling that after an interesting opening the film's probably going to descend into just a lot of explosions um, so, yeah. yeah have you seen any of the Resident Evil films? no Ooh. I don't think I've even played any of the games mm. I maybe started once a long time ago but I got bored of it yeah well it's just, it just didn't seem to really be that exciting but yeah. you know it's, um, maybe I was hungover yeah well I've often thought that when there's Left for Dead I don't know why you'd play any other zombie computer game really but there you go it was Resident Evil night before Left for Dead though Yes. That'd be why you play it. The, the early ones were out before yeah. then. But I was just waiting for Left 4 Dead because I had a, a prescient knowledge of the future. Oh, excellent. Yeah. So uh, it was an ambivalent face for me because I thought the trailer was clever, but the the franchise itself put me off itself. Yeah, ambivalent face for me. I just If it's on the telly one day and I'm not particularly doing anything, then I might carry on watching it, but yeah. I'd be more likely to know where to watch the cricket. Yeah. Oh, and the other thing that actually the final sort of nail in the coffin for it was at the end when it made such a big deal about being in 3D and had about five oh, shots yeah. of people throwing stuff at the screen. I thought we got over that in the 1950s. Yeah, uh, well, with the 3D cinema up at Alton Towers where the balls all come down the stairs. Yeah, at you and it's exactly. All, uh, that, that just big nose man. I thought the current 3D thing was going to be a bit more sophisticated than yeah. that. But there you uh, go. Obviously not. There we go. Right, so number three in the trailer park is Lovely Molly. 
Yeah, it doesn't look that lovely. No. And from the outset, we know that it's uh, one of those trapped in a house, uh, spooky horror flicks. Um, makes no pretensions as what it's going to be. Um, and then we're, we're told fairly quickly in the trailer that it's from the makers of the Blair Witch uh, Project. Yep, which was well back. Yeah. Uh, and I thought the Blair Witch Project was interesting. Well, that's because it was new, though, wasn't it, at the time? Yes, and it, it was interesting because it was a completely different style of filmmaking. Yeah. This was way before all the kind of current online filmmaking existed. Yeah. So the fact that this tiny little thing got so big was really interesting. Um, mm. But this this looked like the, there didn't seem to be anything particularly new being presented in the trailer. It was very much haunted house, nasty things going on. Yeah, can't get out. Bit spooky. Yeah, here comes Molly or yeah. whoever. Yeah, and, and in certainly in the trailer without any of the presumable context, the only, like the only the only question really is well, why don't they just leave the house? Yeah. Well, I'm guessing they're trapped because there's some sort of security code thing you quite pointedly see them do. Really? Yeah. Mm. I don't really know. Yeah. But anyway, um, so um, that's an ambivalent face to me on that one. Um, mm, yeah, not- probably an ambivalent face, actually. There's nothing in it looked that intriguing. I think, again, going back to Cabin in the Woods, because that gave such a fresh take on this kind of thing, that whenever you go back to something that looks just like the generic treatment of it, it's, it's not that interesting. Yeah. seen it. Mm. Anyway, talking of generic uh, films, uh, that moves us on to number four, Dawn Rider. Uh, this is a Western uh, starring Christian Slater as John Mason. Yeah, they made a big point of him being called John Mason. Mason. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a typical Western sort of thing. The John Mason character looks like he's uh, starting out, gone on a revenge spree after some sort of robbery by some hooded uh, bandito. No, not bandits, not banditos. They were actually outlaws. Big difference. Anyway, uh, it, obviously someone gets killed, um, and he goes on a revenge spree, but then ends up on the wrong side of the law, and, and, the, he, and the hunter becomes the hunted. And Donald Sutherland starts chasing him or yeah. something. Uh, Donald Sutherland actually is a good addition to any film. Yes, he's a Think good of actor. all the films which haven't got Donald Sutherland in, which would have done better if he was in them. Yep, yep. Uh, would you say the same for Christian Slater? No. Hmm. So this looks like the cheapest film ever made. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> why'd you say that? Well, all the way through the trailer, I was trying to figure out if it was actually a TV movie. Mm-hmm. Because the titles that came up felt really cheap. And it looked very small in terms of they had this one little set which they filmed stuff on. Uh, the sound mix was really odd. It was like they hadn't actually done a, a proper sound pass on it. So all the guns sounded incredibly piddly. Mm-hmm. Um, something... There was something really lacking in the presentation. Well, of it. I thought they were like trying to do a quite a good homage to all the old westerns, which maybe had those sorts of characteristics. Maybe, and, and you're maybe thinking maybe Michael Bay should do a western. I'm not thinking. That. You're not thinking. No, that, okay, no. But I don't know, there's something. It almost felt like a first draft of a trailer, which they'd sent to someone and gone. How about this uh, for the structure, and then we can tighten up a bit and make it really good and. And they went, yeah, that's cool. And then someone accidentally pressed the wrong button and put it on IMDb. Oh, it could be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm giving this one, once again, an ambivalent face. It was, um, you know, it's a Western. If you like Westerns, you probably like this one. If you don't like Westerns, there's probably not much point watching it. Um, but as a Western film goes, it probably ranks in the all right sort of stakes. Yeah, a sad face for me because I just thought it looked really mm, cheap. Okay. Um, and if you want to watch a modern Western, watch 310 to Yuma or Serenity. Hmm. Sly, someone might listen yeah. to that not knowing yeah. and watch it and be like, what the hell is this? What are they talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So finally, we have No Saints for Sinners. Yes, this is directed by Nathan Frankowski. 
Yes, and this is a light rom-com set in Ireland with a uh, lovely coming-of-age story of uh, a couple of cheeky chappies yeah, yeah. Uh, discovering what happens when uh, you, you leave the IRA and get into the war of drugs and murder and smuggling and all sorts yes uh, it doesn't look very pleasant no it actually looks quite brutal it looks brutal in a well made kind of way and um, yeah um, yeah it uh, looks interesting uh, yeah, basically our uh, our protagonist whose name I don't think well, might be revealed is it John Mason no that's the previous film oh okay yeah. Uh, um, yeah, he gets bored with the Approach the IRA taking to, to stuff now, so leaves Belfast, goes to America, but the trouble follows him over there in a very brutal kind of way. This isn't holding any punches. No, um, and the trailer was surprising in how explicit the trailer was. Um, and uh, what I liked is that it looks like the violence isn't in any way glorified um, or gratuitous. Mm. So although it looks horrible, um, it's clearly very deliberate. And you, you, just from the two minutes of the trailer, you... you get sucked into how once you're in this world getting out of it is so incredibly yeah. difficult yeah. Um, and, and you maybe don't realise how awful it is until you're in it um, so yeah I, I thought um, it was definitely the most effective of the trailers this week yeah um, well I, I gave it an ambivalent face to start with but my ibuprofen I've taken is now kicked in a bit and on reflection I think I'm going to give us a smiley face but given this sort of smiley face seems sort of quite wrong because it's yeah. not really the sort of smiley sort of face kind of film yeah I'm going to give it a smiley face but with a bullet hole in the forehead <laughs> oh, with blood spurting yeah. yes okay. yeah exactly yeah, um, yeah the, the trailer fits the tone of the film yeah. Or appears to. Um, um. Yeah, yeah, and let's hope that actually it's not just one of these like um, spoof trailers that when you get it, it's going to be all the like leprechauns yeah. at the bottom. Of yeah, the this, this might actually be for Muppets too. <laughs> it might be. You never know. Yeah. Um, right. So yeah, that looks like um, the easy winner of the trailer of the week. Yes, not much competition there. No. Uh, but even though the competition was rubbish, uh, it shouldn't take away from those no, for sinners because it did look pretty, it does pretty impressive. Out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just before we get on to talking about Iron Sky, Simon, yes. um, it's been in the news recently. Uh, that Michael Bay is going to make Transformers 4 yeah. the last Transformers film he's going to be involved with before mm-hmm. ruining the turtles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, apparently they're going through different designs of the robots and different cast and he's apparently setting it up to give to somebody else afterwards. Uh, Maybe a five-year-old. Or sod, whoever gets it afterwards. <laughs> uh, I don't wants to take it. It seems odd. If they're doing that, why don't they just get someone else in now? Yeah. Uh, otherwise you'll have a film with the same tone and theme as the previous ones, but different, which will just confuse everyone. Yeah. Whereas if you went with completely different in every yeah. way, then... Uh, yeah. uh, it, it, is, it is a good news, bad news situation. So the good news is it's the last film, the bad news is he's doing another film. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then again, he said Transformers 3 was his last one. Oh, so it might, so, oh, it might be right. stuck in some kind of horrendous Transformers time loop. Do, do you think you'll see it? Um, well, we didn't bother with 3. No. Um, which, from reports, was better than two, but that's not hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the different approach intrigues me because part of the the problem I have with the first three Transformers he did is the tone essentially, and, the, and everything that was set up in the first one uh, was then magnified in the sequels and just got worse and worse. Yeah. So if he's getting rid of all that and trying something different, I'm I'm happy yeah. to give it a chance, but I don't expect. No. him to know what and, he's doing and how do you feel about uh, him going on to ruin the Turtles franchise this is the well it used to be called the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles but yeah. over here in the UK when it was on the television it was the Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles yes because ninjas were illegal yeah, in the 80s yeah, like that. the BBC at the time were or, or, or it was just the, the culture was not to promote ninjaism 
Yeah, because there, there's a great fear of ninjas yeah. in the eighties. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I never entirely understood that. No, you could have loads of gun like nunchucks were. They're all right. All the stuff they did in the show was all right, and yeah. they had nunchucks and the, the the bow staffs and all sorts of things. But yeah, you just couldn't call them ninjas. No, so it was, it was just weird. Anyway. But Michael Bay is getting. Maybe, maybe to it was that. part of a ninja plot to to be even more stealthy in that no one's actually allowed to use their name. Mm, could be, but only in the UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe they've accomplished whatever they were plotting. Oh, it could be, which is why we're now allowed to say ninja. Yeah, ninja. Yeah, once like this podcast, we'd have been arrested. Yeah, just for saying ninja. Oh, well, we may still be arrested. You never know. That's true. With the government's new laws coming in. Yes. <laughs> politics <laughs> right on. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, yeah, so um, well, there's lots of horror stories coming up about what he's doing to the franchise, particularly around the origins of the Turtles and making them yeah. aliens come from a different planet. That's yeah. not, I don't know. Ninja Turtles aren't something you have to rationalise. No. It doesn't need it. <laughs> no. um, oh, yeah, well, what's their, what's their back, what's their origins? You know, the radioactive waste doesn't quite work. Mm-hmm. Well, no, it's, it's a cartoon, it's yeah. toys. It's, it's absurd. Yeah. It's a silly concept that you then do yeah. fun stuff with. Yeah. Anyway, I think we can probably save all of this up for when the film comes out. Should yeah. we deign to go and see it? Something to look forward to. Well, yeah. we, we've kind of had a hiatus from Michael Bay movies. Yeah. So I think we have to build up to seeing a Michael Bay movie. Yeah. And then we can just about get through it, and then we have to skip the next yeah. two. So, so if uh, you're out there, one of our um, loyal fans... What, who, Michael Bay? Yeah. <laughs> no, or if you know Michael Bay, oh, or okay. if you've ever seen any Michael Bay film and want to send us your comments about his upcoming uh, works, then please do so. Um, our email address will be at the end of the show. Yes, that's a, that's a clever technique to get you to listen to the rest of the show because <laughs> yeah. you're so eager to contact us. All right, okay. Anyway, uh, let's move on to our feature presentation... Iron Sky. Yeah. And uh, to sum up what this is about, I might as well just read off the front of the Blu-ray that we have here, where the tagline is, In 1945, the Nazis retreated to the moon. Now, they're coming back. Indeed they are. Uh, Yeah, it's a ridiculous premise. Yes. It it just works. um, I don't know why. Uh, Nazis on the moon, uh, on on moon-based Nazi, as I like to call it. Mm -hmm. Um, In the shape of a swastika. It's just a total... uh, um, journey down the stereotypes of the Nazis although we didn't do the gassing which is probably quite a good thing I suppose were you disappointed? So, well, you wanted a bit more holocaust in, in your uh, comedy <laughs> well, Nazi movie well no, not really but you know they pretty much did nearly everything else yep yep. but I suppose uh, in a comedy movie I mean, the holocaust is actually quite a serious thing <laughs> yes it is yeah. so I suppose it doesn't have a place in, in, in a comedy movie possibly not but uh, yeah uh, I think the best thing about Iron Sky is the premise yeah, um, it's it's kind of downhill from there. I thought, <laughs> um, uh, but with reservations, and I think it's um, probably the most well-made bad film I've ever seen. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of bad movies recently, uh, and this ranks up there as a film. Which I think the reason why it works is because it knows it's a ridiculous movie. And it plays up to the fact that it's a ridiculous movie and it doesn't take itself too serious and it is a bad movie. The plot actually is terrible. Just the whole concept of space Nazis um, is quite offensive uh, (laughs) in in a lot of ways. Um, But it just somehow works. They've managed to be so tongue-in-cheek about it Mm. that, um, yeah, the film works even though it shouldn't. See, I I thought there wasn't enough humour in it. I felt that the script had a lot of humour but then the director, even though he wrote, he co-wrote the script, um, he it felt like he was trying to direct it like a very serious action movie, mm-hmm. and that seemed a bit odd to me. It felt like it could have done with a bit more quirky Edgar Wright humour in it. 
um, in the uh, the thing that Edgar Wright does quite well is taking a big concept and a stupid concept and then doing it in a quirky, funny way that kind of works. And this felt like it was it was approaching it like Roland Emmerich might approach Independence Day or 2012 and that kind of film. And that didn't quite melt yeah, for me. Well, I wonder if it's because um, this film was predominantly made by a Finnish uh, company, um, as in from Finland, not um, Dave Finished. Um, and I wonder if it's just the, the European humour is sort of getting lost in translation somewhere. Because for English and American studios, or as mostly American finances, financiers who own English and American studios, it's very easy for these films to, to get the humour right because it's in the native tongue. Yeah. So I'm just yeah. wondering if they've tried doing some stuff and it hasn't quite worked because they're trying to um, go from their Finnish ways of doing it Finished ways of doing it. It's a terrible thing to say. <laughs> Those crazy things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, some things get lost in translation. But I, yeah, I mean, on the whole, just the premise of it, it, it just works. So just to give you more of a, an idea as to what goes on now, Nazis on the moon. Um, who, who <laughs> You're going to embellish the plot. Yeah, yeah. The Nazis on the moon. Yeah, they escaped there after the end of World War II. Uh, they want to come back and um, reclaim the Earth um, in the fourth or fifth Reich. I don't know what they ended up calling it in the end. Um, the... They then invade, or try to invade um, New York or some American metropolis. I don't know. There's there's an American uh, president. She's a female president who's going to be that crazy Alaskan woman, isn't Sarah she? Sarah Palin. Yeah, that's yeah. yes, obviously who she's meant to be. Um, yeah, it's just full of stereotypes, but you know, some films full of stereotypes are quite good. My one criticism of the film is that um, the last 10, 15 minutes or so, uh, it just didn't seem to gel with the rest of it. No. Um, basically what happens is uh, they set up all this Earth invasion plot, plot and they sort of start to bit of an Earth invasion and that goes on till for about 60 minutes, 70 minutes or so. And then it just ridiculously moves into space. I mean, there's some great spaceships and you, um, fully armed mere space stations with nukes and all sorts of stuff. Um, but just... Did the last ten minutes where all the action then becomes a big, huge space fight seems like they thought, "Ooh, we've only got seventy-five minutes of the film here. We need another fifteen to make it feature length." And it just sort of didn't seem to work. Yeah, it didn't seem to fit. But the whole plot felt like it was thought up in different sessions down the pub, which it probably was. Mm. Um, but the problem with that, it didn't quite come together. So, like you say, that the, the, the start and the opening sets up this ridiculous but very fun premise, yeah. and then it doesn't quite deliver. On, on some of that promise um, it, it kind of it forgets what the premise of the film is and starts trying to do all sorts of other bits and th- pieces and loses its way a little yeah. bit and then when it tries to come back at the end it goes off in a slightly odd direction yeah. it just feels a bit limp anyway um, it, it sounds rather negative about it but it, it, it we're just sort of being picky with, with things like, picking holes in it. It, is, it, it it is entirely the film you expect it to be um, yeah. Yeah. And when, when you watch this sort of film you're not expecting it to be um a, a classic uh, Romeo and Juliet. Well, I wouldn't want to watch that anyway. Mind you, <laughs> Romeo and Juliet uh, Nazis would be quite fun, or Romeo and Juliet in space would, you know, um, Terminator robots as the Capulets or something. Yeah, would be much better. You, you should write this down. Yeah, I probably should do. I don't know how I'm going to remember it otherwise. Anyway, um, it's not. It's not trying to be a classic. It's not trying to be Lawrence of Arabia or <laughs> Keep Track of Other Big Films or Ben Hur um, or or any. Or, yeah, Hannibal Rising or anything like that. <laughs> um, uh, it, it's just trying to be um, Nazis on the moon. Can we just have one it, more example? <laughs> one more example. It's of not it. trying to be. <laughs> All right. Um, it's not trying to be 
Uh, Mad Max 3, Beyond the Thunderdome. Very true, very true. <laughs> um, Although, actually, it is closer to that than yes, it is yes. um, Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, the, or Beaugest. <laughs> Carry on. Something that struck me is that the production values are, are, are ridiculously good. It's, it's absurdly well produced um, for something that was very low budget. Yeah. And... Uh, partially crowdsourced. Yeah, I think about ten percent of the funding came from yeah. uh, avid um, fans, and, and that and I think that that's what actually got the project kicks what well, kick started as it's called <laughs> yes. now, isn't it? Uh, um, but yeah, getting the ten percent and made the studios sort of yeah. pay a bit more attention to it. But that production quality is definitely it is worth mentioning because it's so notably excellent. Yeah, um, and I think I'd love to see the director given a really good script um, go off and do something else because if he can do this with the resources he had here then given a really great script, he, he could probably do yeah. something pretty well. That's uh, Timo Vurensola. Timo Vurensola. Yep. Do you want the director. One more go. <laughs> Timo Vurensola. Yeah, that was the best one, definitely. Uh, good. Uh, so, okay. yeah, um, in some ways, this felt like a really low-budget Michael Bay movie to me, in that it was an enormous amount of effort. Like The actors were putting everything they could do into yeah. it. The visual effects guys were doing a great job. It had a lot of style... Um, all the different aspects are really great, but it's all hanging off a really quite rubbish script. Yeah. Even if the premise is quite good. Yeah. And similarly with big budget Hollywood stuff, quite often the premise is really good and sounds great fun, but then it all gets in a jumble at, at the plot stage. Um, I think that's what's happened here, it, just on a kind of small scale. Yeah. Um, but it is entertaining. Um, yeah. I, 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 it's worth watching. Yeah, I wanted it to be more entertaining. I think the premise as ridiculous as it is, is good enough to support a better film. Yeah, it, it did also build up its own... Uh, people were getting quite excited about this film because for quite a while it's been touted out on the internet um, that it's coming out. And I think everyone... When that happens, everyone gets a little bit excited about what's going on and yeah. with a bit of the crowdsourcing. I wonder if it suffered a little bit from the snakes on the plane syndrome. Yeah, quite possibly. Where the, uh, where the fans were suggesting ideas for... Yeah. for everyone knows like. what the film is going to be in their heads before it appears. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the main issue, I think, is like you said with the ending, it, it, it sets up a lot of stuff and doesn't really pay it off properly. Mm-hmm. Um, so to go, in, go into the thing that really annoyed me, because I was looking forward to it all the way through the film and they didn't do it. And this is a bit of a spoiler, but not much one because it's not really a film you can spoil. <laughs> um, one of the more bizarre and controversial aspects in the film, I guess, is that the, the lead black character, Washington... Um, has his blackness removed by oh, yeah. the Nazis <laughs> uh, in, in this with the al- albinoizer al- or something because yeah. uh, obviously the Nazis weren't particularly fans of ethnic diversity um, so it's, just, it's quite bizarre but that immediately sets up a really interesting thing to run through the film they then kind of drop him out of the film for a long period of time which is a shame because he's a really fun actor to watch and then I was really looking forward to the scene, the inevitable scene that they were definitely going to do where he'd get back onto the mothership, whatever, use the antidote, turn back into being black and then like bust into a room and save the day. That was an obvious thing they were saying. Oh, that's, that's kind of how his story should have played out. Mm-hmm. It just all happens off screen and it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. And that really annoyed me. No, because... maybe they ran out of money or something. Because they obviously didn't have a huge budget. Anyway, um, I think overall, um, we've got to say that it's one of these films where if you go in with the right expectations, like we're going to watch a, a, a B-movie um, Nazis from the moon kind of... Uh, not epic, but... Um, Romp, so it's a Nazi. It's a bit, it's a bit uh, Mel Brooksy um, in its sort of approach. 
not enough musicals. You know, from the producers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not. Um, and also, I think from a filmmaking point of view, if, if you're a low-budget indie filmmaker, it's worth watching just to see what you can actually yes. do from a production point yeah. of view. I think um, a lot of people will be sitting up in Hollywood going, how the hell do they do that? Yeah. Um, and I think if you take, say, Doctor Who, which is kind of England's, Britain's premier sci-fi export, and you compare the production values of that show yeah. to Iron Sky, and Doctor Who's got a lot it should be yeah. doing. Cause, you you realise you've just alienated uh, a lot of the, the Welsh listeners we have out there by referring to Doctor as English, because, of course, it's all produced well, by BBC no, Wales. I, I did, correct, did, did correct it, it, correct it, to, it British, to British, but yeah. you know, there'll be people out there Pointing their fingers at their headphones. Yeah. Looking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Looking a bit mental. Yeah. What's he talking about? Yeah. Yeah. But damn you, damn you and your English is what they'll say. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, I thought, yeah. For, that's uh, my Welsh impression. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. You probably offended even more people now. <laughs> yeah. They're not doing very well. <laughs> no, so yeah, uh, it's an impressive accomplishment from one point of view, but I wish it was a better film in itself. Yep. So just as a quick aside from that, it was very interesting um, the, the way it was actually distributed. Yes. Um, now, in, in the UK, the distribution worked on the basis of a select number of cinemas were going to show it on a Wednesday. And it was this huge uh, grounds for the people who wanted to see it. Now, I would like to have seen it at the cinema. Uh, it would, it's one of these films where I think you would enjoy it more. With a crowd. Uh, with a crowd. Um, as long as that crowd is actually all into the same... You know, you know what yeah. I hear. There will yeah. be movie fans wanting to watch this ridiculousness. But you didn't really get a chance to see it. It's not around uh, East Anglia way. Uh, um, the nearest one, nearest cinemas here were either in London or Nottingham. Yeah. And that's quite a long way away from Norwich. Yes, exactly. Because up, up here in the mountains of Norwich, yeah. uh, you have to go a long way to get anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a great shame. I think in other territories it's been released for longer, yeah. or, or more like a standard film where they release it, see how well it does, and that determines how long it stays in cinemas. Yeah. Whereas the distributor here in the UK appeared to have some contractual thing they had to fulfil to release it in cinemas, but they did it for one day and they went, well, that's enough. Yep. Can't be asked to anymore. Yep. So, sort it out, distributors. Yeah. Yeah. And Iron Sky producers, read your contracts more closely next time. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, so, I think that's mostly it. Um, it um, we're not going to get around to reviewing Prometheus, I don't think. So, if anyone out there wants to send us a review of Prometheus in, we, we, we might read it out in a future episode. Yes. Yes, indeed. And if you want to watch Iron Sky, which it's probably worth doing, mm. but make sure you get some friends around and some beers because you don't want to watch it on your own in stony silence. It's not that kind of film. No, definitely not. Okay, thank you for listening. Yep, and um, join us again next time on Spiffing Review. Bye! <laughs> if you'd like to contact us, you can email Simon and Wayne at spifferingreview.com, follow us on Twitter at Spiffing Review, or visit our website at spifferingreview.com. Spiffing Review is an It's a Trap production.